Hello, and welcome to Listen to Your Heart, the podcast where we explore the clinical management of high-risk patients with established cardiovascular disease in the context of the latest Canadian Cardiovascular Society guidelines. I'm your host, Dr. George Thanasoulis, and with me on the program today, it's my pleasure to introduce you to uh, Dr. Sean Goodman. Dr. Goodman is a cardiologist and associate head in the Division of Cardiology, Department of Medicine at St. Michael's Hospital, a professor of medicine at the University of Toronto, and an adjunct professor of medicine at the University of Alberta. Welcome, Sean. Thanks, George. So today we'll be discussing um, a number of different topics as they relate to the high-risk patient in these new uh, 2021 uh, dyslipidemia guidelines. Um, And we're going to focus a little bit today on um, the recent acute coronary syndrome uh, patient, which is clearly a a high-risk group. Uh, But Sean, uh, just to start, um, I'd like to ask you, how have these updated guidelines uh, changed your practice in terms of uh, lipid management, uh, especially compared to the uh, 2016 uh, version? Thanks, George. And I first want to congratulate you and Glenn Pearson and uh, and, and many of our uh, colleagues uh, who have uh, led very nicely the 2021 iteration. I, I think the, there are several sort of key points uh, that, that, that the guidelines raise that I've uh, tried to incorporate into uh, how I approach uh, the patient populations that I see. I, I think what I really liked about the guidelines was you, you selected re- very clinically relevant questions and produce the updated recommendations uh, because there have been a number of new findings, of course, that have emerged since the 2016 guidelines. Uh, I think the the key, of course, uh, even back in 2016 is that patients with clinical atherosclerosis uh, that are fairly broadly defined, we we can't forget, uh, particularly as cardiologists, uh, that that it's not just those with coronary disease. Uh, There's there's people with, uh, most people with diabetes, most people with chronic kidney disease, um, you know, abdominal aortic aneurysm, et cetera. There are a number of uh, individuals, um, even in the absence of coronary disease, that we can't forget if they've got elevation of their LDL cholesterol, they obviously need to go on high intensity or at least maximally tolerated statin therapy. The introduction of the concept of, uh, of thresholds rather than targets, I really like that as well. Uh, and, and the threshold for intensifying lipid lowering therapy, including the focus on the non-statin agents like azetamibe and the PCSK9 inhibitors. And, and I liked also very much uh, the provision of very specific strategies, depending on what the patient's uh, LDL is, but not just focusing on the LDL, uh, the, the importance of, uh, of looking at the non-HDL or the apolipoprotein B um, uh, is obviously another a key part uh, that I took away from the 2021 guidelines. Uh, and, and then I think we're going to talk, I'm sure, a little bit more about uh, these non-statin therapies and, and statins and all the medical treatments, but uh, the reminder uh, that that you and your colleagues provided that on top of that, we we can't uh, forget the importance of health behavior modification, uh, regular exercise, heart healthy diet. That's that's always the cornerstone as the guidelines outlined of cardiovascular disease uh, prevention. So I I think for me, um, uh, the identification uh, of the so-called secondary prevention patient population with established atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, uh, those are the folks that I see uh, in day-to-day practice, uh, who have shown um, uh, to they've been shown in, in studies to derive the greatest benefit, the sort of largest absolute benefit from intensification 
of therapy on top of statins with, uh, again, azetamibe and PCSK9 inhibition. That, that's the other sort of key point uh, that I uh, sort of took away and try to implement into my uh, routine practice. Yeah, thanks, John. I, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that, um, you know, one of our main goals was really to get the, 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 the group of patients who really could benefit the most from highly intensive therapy, um, uh, you know, out into the open, so that so that physicians could really focus on 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 that uh, group of patients. And and you know, as you mentioned, um, we've now introduced these thresholds. And for this, you know, secondary prevention patient population, the threshold now is an LDL cholesterol of more than or equal to 1.8. So if you're at or above that level, you should have um, intensification of statins either with a zetamibe or a PCSK9 inhibitor. Um, so perhaps let's maybe uh, jump into some of these different uh, patient groups that have been shown to, uh, to, to be both at high risk and also uh, that have shown in, in these large trials to have greater than average benefit uh, from uh, intensive therapy with PCSK9 inhibitors. And the group I'd like to start talking about today is the recent acute coronary uh, patients. Uh, that is a patient who's had an ACS in the last uh, year. Um, so uh, perhaps, Sean, why do you think this type of, of patient is uh, particularly high risk? And why are they um, you know, ripe for treatment intensification? I think it's an incredibly important uh, high-risk group. And uh, as you know, I had the honor and privilege of uh, being on the executive steering committee of the Odyssey Outcomes Trial, uh, one of the uh, large cardiovascular outcome studies with the monoclonal antibodies directed against PCSK9 compared to placebo. And, and in Odyssey, we, uh, we specifically enrolled um, almost uh, 19,000 patients who were one to 12 months post-ACS. And uh, in fact, the median time uh, from the qualifying ACS to the time of randomization was about two and a half months. Uh, so in that first year time frame, we, we really wanted to encourage the enrollment into the trial because we felt these individuals were at very high risk for recurrent uh, adverse cardiovascular events. And in fact, we, we uh, utilized uh, what uh, you and, and, and Glenn and others uh, in the guidelines have subsequently emphasized, not just uh, LDL cholesterol as a, as a high risk atherogenic lipoprotein, uh, but you could qualify to get into Odyssey outcomes post ACS uh, with an elevated non-HDL um, and or uh, elevated uh, apolipoprotein B. And so despite being on maximal uh, or high intensity and maximally tolerated atorvastatin or rosuvastatin in the Odyssey Outcomes trial, if your levels of any of those atherogenic lipoproteins were above the, uh, uh, the sort of guideline recommended uh, thresholds, uh, then they were randomized, of course, to receive alarocumab uh, versus placebo. And after about three years of follow-up, we showed that the primary uh, composite outcome of major adverse cardiovascular events was uh, significant significantly reduced uh, with the use of alarocumab compared to placebo. Uh, we also saw a numeric all-cause mortality reduction in the alarocumab uh, treated group. So I think that this highlights, uh, and the placebo treated group had a MACE rate at around 2.8 years of more than 11%. So that highlights to me how high risk these individuals are and therefore the patients who could benefit potentially the most in absolute terms 
from treatment intensification uh, with alirocumab. And of course, the Fourier trial with evolocumab, even though it examined a broader patient population, it did, uh, and, and, and a lot of people had more remote myocardial infarction, they did a post hoc analysis that was very consistent with what we found in the Odyssey Outcomes trial that in, in the uh, first year uh, post MI, uh, those patients derived a greater absolute benefit. So if you you, you know you, you look at the totality of the of the trial data, we've got you know between the two studies more than twenty four thousand patients who had a, a, a recent ACS, a recent myocardial infarction, and there's a consistent benefit, of course, of adding PCSK nine to uh, statin plus or minus azetamide with consistent uh, relative, but in particular, larger absolute benefits in high-risk patients like those who had a recent ACS. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating, uh, Sean. And first of all, I want to congratulate you and your colleagues uh, for putting this uh, exceptional trial together and also for being forward-thinking in including you know, the ApoB and non-HDL cholesterol um, uh, thresholds uh, as a way to uh, include patients uh, into this trial. And I mean, as you point out, I think, you know, one of the most uh, important findings is really that, that extremely high risk of cardiovascular events in the placebo group. Uh, and of course, the, um, you know, very large uh, benefit from uh, the use of PCSK9 inhibitor in these in these patients um, post-ACS. Uh, and, and we know today that these patients, you know, uh, with a recent ACS, uh, are, are at such high risk, you know, because one, they have a, um, a very clear uh, atherogenic uh, dyslipidemia, but also they are also very pro-inflammatory and have additional uh, factors that make them uh, very high risk in this early uh, stage. So I think it really, um, you know, this Odyssey Outcomes trial really drove home the point that aggressive uh, lipid lowering in this context can mitigate um, a, a large portion of that of that risk. Um, so Sean, uh, you know, just to uh, end off here, perhaps you could uh, give our listeners a practical or, or, or clinical tip or a clinical pearl uh, about um, how you manage uh, these uh, post-ACS uh, uh, patients. Thanks, George. I, I think sort of two points here. One is we can get the biggest bang for the buck. And I'm talking both clinically and financially, and therefore uh, this should be of, of, of uh, importance and interest to patients, clinicians, and payers, that if we identify a recent MI patient, and they're, and they're readily identifiable because they've had a touch point, they've been in hospital, they're going to be engaged several more touch points with the healthcare system, at least in the next year's time, when they appear to be at the highest risk for recurrent events, and I think also the patients are uh, probably at that point in time, the most amenable and most motivated to optimizing their secondary prevention therapy, given this recent life altering event. So, so that's the first piece. And I think the second point is that this is a team sport, meaning we can't rely on any one of the stakeholders, including the patients. Uh, we need to educate them. We need to uh, empower them. They need to be engaged in this, uh, uh, this process. Uh, but we, uh, we need to recognize that the doc looking after the patient in the hospital might not necessarily be following or following as closely the patient, let's say, in the outpatient phase. 
that follows the hospitalization. So the team sport piece here is we need to engage, you know, the other cardiologists, the internists, the primary care physicians are critical here, as are the other allied healthcare team members like pharmacists and nurse practitioners. And everybody's going to have a different team uh, working with them, uh, depending on their uh, on their locale. But uh, I, I think the it's really important that there's coordination uh, and collaboration there to, for example, ensure lipid profile testing gets undertaken um, after each intensification uh, step has been undertaken to make sure that the patient is uh, ultimately getting below the CCS dyslipidemia guideline recommended thresholds. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it, it definitely the aspect of, of this being a team sport resonates with me uh, because, you know, as we know, we really want to give our patients the best care possible, um, but it really does take a, 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 a number of members of the team to do this properly. And I think you pointed out some, some key aspects there. I think, you know, first identifying these patients and, and just being aware that a recent um, ACS patient is high risk and really needs to be intensified if their LDL uh, cholesterol remains above 1.8 or their ApoB remains more than uh, 0.7. Uh, so get those measurements as soon as possible. And then, um, you know, if, if they do remain above those levels, then, you know, consider a very aggressive uh, lipid lowering therapy with a PCSK9 inhibitor. So thanks so much, Sean, for this great discussion on the post-ACS uh, patient. I also want to thank our listeners for listening to the Listen to Your Heart podcast. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of the ACS patient. Don't forget to, to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and stay tuned for new releases. 